A Happy Bureaucracy by M.P. Fitzgerald Narrated by Gary Bennett Author's Note Strewn between drug use, groin malice, and cursing on a level tantamount to sacrilege are gratuitous mentions of bureaucracy. These bureaucratic references may not be for the weak of heart. Prologue Stifled breath was held as an offense was made on the door. There was nothing here but dust and radiation and the cold glare from an uncaring sun. There was supposed to be no one living for miles, he had made sure of that. Yet, blows rattled the door in quick succession. The word knocking was not in his vocabulary, because no one had knocked since the war. He did not dare let out his breath, but realized a fraction too late that she, the little girl with a knife to her throat, had begun to cry. Whoever was on the other side of the door would hear her. The option to hide had gone. Fuck, he whispered at the child. Her whimpers were not loud, but when silence is the natural order, even a sneeze from a mouse would sound like blaring klaxons. He put down the butcher's knife onto his table, and the little girl's eyes spelled relief. He replaced the knife with his rusty hunting rifle. Fight or flight were now having their familiar debate inside of him, and before either could win, another blow came at the door. Hello? A meek voice said through the door. Do you have a moment? What is this? The man thought, uncertain if there was any danger. Instinct won over indecisiveness, and he loaded an ancient bullet into the gun's chamber. Hello? The little girl whimpered. Yes, hello. Do you have time to talk? The voice asked politely. It is very important. Slavers kick in the door. Raiders wait until you're outside. This, well, this was confusing. So with the affront to his brain winning and the option of surprise gone, the man opened the door. Outside there was dust, and then there was irradiated dust, what was once a thriving and happy suburb, a perfect portrait of the American dream, was now a dead nightmare. The hydrogen bombs never made it this far, but their wrath spread without impetus. The war had ended modern history, and it started something that would make the Dark Ages look like a regular renaissance. The houses that were once built for families were now mostly empty, rotting slowly under a cruel sun. The grass that once grew on this house's lawn had dried up decades ago, and then burned for warmth. What were once windows were now a collection of boards nailed into the wall of the house haphazardly, their origin likely from the picket fences of the other houses, the people responsible for nailing them now long dead. What was outside was misery, misery, and dust. There should be nothing else. Yet... There he was, standing weaponless and awkwardly, was a man who was somehow washed and clean-shaven, his hair cut short and parted to the right, businesslike. His skin was somehow fair and not sun-damaged to a tan leather. This man, 
against all odds, was wearing clothes that had not only been washed, but also ironed. His shirt collared and white, his shoes black polished and neatly tied. There was something around his neck. It should have been the bones of his enemies, strung through their dried tendons. It should have been a makeshift bandolier made of bullets and spikes. But instead, it was a tie. A regular black tie, with a Windsor knot. Whether there should have been a club, a gun, or a spear in hand, was a clipboard and a pen. The pen was not stabbed into someone's eyes, which was the only use he had ever witnessed seeing someone do with one. He had only ever seen someone who looked like this in photographs before the war. Standing in the distance, leaning on what was once a tree, was a man who did look like he belonged. Shotgun in hand, he was dressed in biker leathers and as rugged and miserable as the earth beneath him. This was professional protection. After making eye contact, he lowered his weapon. No one needed to die yet. Hello, the man in the tie said. My name is Arthur McDowell. I am an agent of the Internal Revenue Services. And you are? What? The man responded. I am an agent for the IRS. I am here for an audit. He had been warned about this. Of all the gangs in the United Wastes, the IRS was the most powerful. He had never met an agent, but he had met others who had. The last time he had joined a raiding gang, the oldest of the group told him once that, There are only two for sure things in this world, death and taxes. The IRS wants only one of those but they'll take both if you do not cooperate. Everything else he had heard sounded like myth or a horror story. Arthur McDowell clicked the top of his pen tentatively, as dust from the dead planet beneath him shifted from wind. Arthur was now looking at the man inquisitively, and the man behind him in leather rested a single finger on his trigger. Is this the residence of the murder man? Arthur asked. Someone talked. Someone gave him away. If anybody in his old gang had sold him out to slavers, torture would come before death once he got his paws on them. But if the stories about the IRS were true, he wasn't sure if he could even be mad. Hell, if the stories were true, he'd do the same. Yeah, I'm murder man. Good, said Arthur, hurriedly writing something on his board. Mr. Man. It seems that you did not do your taxes this season. Now, as the Postal Service has not delivered here in a generation, we can understand the oversight. As an auditor, I am here to fix that. Oh, said Murder Man. What, uh, what are taxes? That is a surprisingly common question, Mr. Man, so no need to be embarrassed. He wasn't embarrassed at all. He was afraid. Taxes are a percentage of your income that is mandatorily volunteered to the United States government for the goods and services provided to you, a citizen, and to keep the government running. It is our patriotic duty and law to pay them. Oh. It looks like you have not paid your taxes this season, Mr. Mann. And though the IRS understands that this kind of omission is likely, given the circumstances, Arthur swept his hand around him meaning circumstances to be human holocaust by nuclear fire. They still must be paid. The man in the biker leathers stood upright at must be paid and stepped a little closer. 
The murder man had no intention of pissing him off. How, uh, how you want me to pay him? Murder man asked, not eloquently. With United States currency, of course. You want old world money? Preferably, yes, but the IRS has positioned itself to work with today's economy, so for your convenience, we are willing to take bullets or calories. This was the most polite raid Murder Man had ever experienced. Keeping his gun low so as to not piss off the hired help, Murder Man leaned on his doorframe, eyeing Arthur suspiciously. He was hoping the girl stayed quiet. How much you want? He finally asked, after another moment filled with listless dust passed. That is what we are here to find out, Mr. Man. I know that you are unfamiliar with our process. Again, nothing to be embarrassed about, Arthur said to a man who was still not embarrassed. We do not take a set amount from everybody. We only take a percentage of your combined income and assets. Murder Man knew neither of those words, but it was the one that sounded more sexual that raised his interest. What's a ass set? He asked. Oh, why, those are the things you own. Let's go through those first. You own this house? Yeah. Good, good, Arthur said, writing on his clipboard. He seemed to be enjoying himself. Let's see, you are a homeowner, and according to your old gang, you were a raider by profession? Someone did talk. Murderman's mind howled with rage. His words were muted. Yeah. I don't do that no more. Arthur did not look up at this, and his writing quickened. Unemployed? That's a shame. Have you been jobless this whole season? Not sure what Arthur meant by season. Murder Man stared blankly and said, Yeah, just to hurry things along. It can be a very hostile job market in today's world, that is for sure. Well, judging by the size of your house and the fact that it is not radiated... We will classify it as Class 3. You should be very proud. Uh, thank you? Mm-hmm, Arthur replied, still laying his attention on the clipboard. Assuming you can't pay with currency, that would put what you owe to be 80,000 calories, 150 bullets, or a combination of the two. Arthur reached into his pocket and fished out a calculator. I can, of course, help you with the conversion. Murder Man's breathing was thin. Flight or fight had not been resolved. I, uh, I don't have that, he started, before he was quickly interrupted by a now giddy Arthur. Wait, we haven't gone over your deductibles. The IRS is no armed robber, sir, he declared, despite having an armed man behind him. Do you have any dependents? What's that? Before Arthur could answer, the little girl stirred. Murder Man had no time to retaliate, and before he could make a move to hide her, she was peeking out of the doorway. Her dirty, bruised face that had only known fear and hunger looked out and onto Arthur's clean and studious one. It looked like children were not something Arthur saw often. They stared at each other with suspicion and disbelief. Arthur shifted his weight uneasily as his enforcer, the hired help, moved forward. That... Arthur said, pointing at the little girl, is a dependent. He made a little check on his board. 
Murder Man thumbed back at the little girl, and his hanging jaw snapped back into place to speak. My cow? he asked. My mistake, Arthur replied sullenly, understanding the term. Seize your calories, he continued, stating, not asking. Yeah, was gonna chop her and cook her before you punched my door all polite-like. A grin crept onto Murder Man's face. The little girl had been taught not to run, and even now, in the face of death, she did not dare. She had been kept alive this long, only so that her meat would be fresh when Murder Man ran out of canned food. Can't say for certain until we get her to the headquarters and weigh her, but she looks to be around 90,000 calories. This would leave you with a refund of 10,000 calories, which we'd mail to you within four to five weeks, Arthur said hurriedly, still avoiding eye contact. He finished writing and presented the clipboard to Murder Man. Sign here. Murder Man did not understand the gesture, nor could he write or read. What he did understand, though, was that the men in front of him intended to rob him of his meal. A meal he had gone a great length to keep it alive this long, and one that was only going to be eaten if he had no other food. The IRS was as confusing and frightening as he had heard. The man in leather could certainly kill him, but if they took his food, well, he would die slowly. The math was simple. Starve or go out fighting. He cocked his gun. About the Author M.P. Fitzgerald is an author and humorist dedicated to injecting the feverish gonzo style into fiction. You can get Memos from the Wasteland, which is the official prequel to this book, free. It contains hilariously bleak office drama, Robbie's diary, and Arthur's last letter from his father. To get your copy, just head over to his website at mpfitzgerald.art. You'll also get free updates on future audiobooks and more. We hope you have enjoyed A Happy Bureaucracy by M.P. Fitzgerald, narrated by Gary Bennett. Text copyright 2019 by M.P. Fitzgerald. Production copyright 2021 by M.P. Fitzgerald. Music by Dustmice. Available on all streaming services and dustmice.bandcamp.com. Yeah.